So uh, we don't normally have the castle. This is your uh, first time being introduced to us. Uh, VBS starts tonight. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we are going to be in the book of Philippians this morning, Philippians chapter 3, as we continue our, our series there. And uh, really excited about tonight, excited about uh, having all the kids here. It's always a fun week. Appreciate everyone's involvement and participation so far. Uh, lots of decorations, lots of work went on, and uh, really, really uh, looking forward to uh, really kind of the culmination, right, when the Word of God goes out throughout this week ahead um, in the lives of these kids. So it should be a lot of fun. So, all right, so uh, message this morning... Uh, experience joy, and we've been looking about this aspect of, of uh, joy, and you know, last week we dealt with advancing in joy, and, and we have these components in, in Paul's message here uh, to this church at Philippi, as he describes uh, what does it look like as a believer is maturing in this joy that comes as part of being a Christian. Uh, just uh, maturing through that process. And the focus uh, this morning is really on this issue, this topic of experience uh, and, and how it is actually experienced. So we're going to go back. Uh, we're we're going to go back to verse 8. We covered uh, 8 and 9 last week. Uh, our text this morning will be 10 and 11. Uh, this is all all one big long sentence, and so uh, we're going to put it all together here, going back to verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the ex excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Lord, bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's look to learn prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for the word of God. We thank you for the example that has been set before us. Uh, one who is both an example of maturity and calls us to greater maturity in Christ. Lord, as we uh, look at this text this morning, we pray that we would be willing uh, to lay down our wants and desires that are sinful and to seek after and have a change of heart, to have, have wants and desires that are glorifying to you. Father, Father, we pray that our lives would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that through that, we would have greater and greater joy. Or that we truly would experience it as we live out what Christ has called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, have looked together at this aspect of, of a rejoicing life and continuing on through that. And, and this continues that theme today as we work through it together. You know, that... The whole idea, and, and you see it in verse 10, right, that I may know him, we get back to this knowing Christ theme in these verses that we're going to be looking at together. And, and the, whole, the whole idea, the whole concept of, of knowing Jesus Christ, uh, my Lord, going, uh, going all the way back to, to verse 8 there really gives us that same 
idea or concept, but wanting to know him, right? Wanting to know him. And we talked before when we went through this passage last week, this is an experiential knowledge. This is, this is a, a personal knowledge uh, that's being described here. And uh, remember, we used that illustration, um, do you really know Jesus or do you know him like George Washington, right? Is, is he just an historical figure or do you personally have a relationship with him? And, and that, this is the type of knowledge, a personal relationship, knowing of Jesus that, that we're describing even here in verse 10 as well. And, and there's a sense in which, right, every believer knows Christ. You have to. Every believer knows Christ. And, and so in that sense, do we, do we know? Well, we, yeah, we already know him, right? But can we know him more? Sure we can. And so when we're talking about knowing Jesus, there's this already, I already have it, but I don't yet have it all the way. I don't have enough. I can get more, and I can know him better. And so when we're talking about joy, and joy coming through knowing Jesus, is there joy that comes when we experience salvation? Yeah, there's joy that comes. Can we have joy that grows? Yeah, when we know him more. We can have joy that grows, joy that increases, and it can increase in our lives. And so um, that's really what, um, what is the basis uh, behind really this text, this, this idea of knowing him and knowing him uh, more. You know, we, we looked together uh, last week about how we can, um, when we know Christ and we're advancing in joy, as we're going through that process, we, we become more and more aware of the fact of our sinfulness. Right? When we become more like Christ, we become more and more aware of how wicked we were before him. And it becomes more and more clear for us how, how our life was, was just, I guess, in dire straits before Jesus. Because we know him more and more and how perfect and how holy he is. And when you see and experience someone who is perfect and holy, it becomes very, very clear that we're not that, right? How far away from that we are. And so it makes it so very apparent. Uh, you ever heard of the tissue test for teeth? Right? You ever heard of the tissue test? You go smile in the mirror. You say, well, my teeth look really white. And then you hold up the tissue. You say, well, they're not quite as white as I thought they were. It's kind of the, the same idea when we're talking about Jesus, right? You, you, you get saved. You think, boy, yeah, I was sinful. I'm so glad that Jesus saved me from that. But then you grow in the knowledge of his holiness and you realize how dirty we were before, how, how deeply we were in, in that sin. And so that, that was the heart of last week. That knowledge of Jesus causes us to put greater emphasis on the fact that of, of, of how terrible we, we were, how sinful we were uh, as, as we began. Today, the focus is really on this experiential knowledge of Christ. And um, as, we, as we consider 
what does it mean to know him and actually experience, have an experiential knowledge of, of Jesus? And the first description of how, how that takes place uh, is found here in verse 10, experiencing the power of his resurrection. And verse 10 uh, describes knowing him in this way, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So the question becomes, what does it mean to know him and the power of his resurrection? How, how do we know the power of Jesus' resurrection? Well, there are a few things that it's not that we have to consider together. Uh, one is it's not simply a knowledge of fact of when he was raised. Right? It, when we're talking about that, I know, may know him and know the power of the resurrection. Once again, we're not talking about just simply an historical fact. Okay, I know that took place. I got that down now. Let's move on. Right? This is this is not like studying studying for the test. You say, okay, I've got the fact down. I can answer the Scantron question or whatever. I can, I can. Was Jesus, did Jesus, was Jesus resurrected, true or false? That, that's not what we're talking about here, okay? This is, this is, this is different than that. This is, this is more than that. And, and so when we're talking about the, the power of the resurrection here, we're, we're talking about really an experiential knowledge. And, and so if it's experiential knowledge here, it's not just simply an aspect of fact. Uh, the, the, the second aspect of that is it's okay well it's an experience well is it an experience of a physical resurrection do I have to go through the process of a physical resurrection in order to uh, know him and the, the power is resurrection well no that's not what this is describing because this this is a process uh, that can already begin right now this is something you know, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. This is something that can be occurring in your life even today, uh, knowing Jesus in this way. It's not something that, that you have to, have to wait for. This is not something that's being described here. And, and so what, what exactly is going on? If it's not about a date or time, it's not, if it's not about me physically going through the resurrection, what is this about? And, and it has to do with, experiencing the same power for living right now that Jesus experienced when he was raised. So we'll let, put that together for me. Put that together for me. Let's look at a couple of verses. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so when we're talking about experiencing the power of the resurrection, the idea here is it's right before us, right? We, we die, how to, to self. Christ was raised from the dead. He was resurrected. Well, we too need to experience resurrection power, but how do we do it so that we should walk in newness of life? And so resurrection power in our lives means that we are living out newness of life as we go through, um, go through our, our daily life, we are living out the change that has occurred in us in, in, in demonstrating the power of the resurrection to overcome sin and death and hell. 
And so we, we are actually living that out. Now, Romans 6, still looking there in Romans 6, verse 9 says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Verse 10, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so the, the description here is this change that takes place in, in the life of the believer. Where Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he doesn't die any longer. Death doesn't have dominion over him. He died, he died unto sin once, but now he lives unto God. So, so what do we do? Verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but unto alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, that's, that's the power of the resurrection. That, that's the power to overcome sin. That's the power to overcome death. And Jesus demonstrated that in his resurrection. So when, when, when Paul is writing in verse 10 saying that, that we need to know him, that we need to experience the power of his resurrection, it's not, oh yeah, it was a date and time. It, it's, it's not that. It's not, oh, I physically have to go down to the grave and be resurrected. It's not that. How do we experience the power of his resurrection? How, well, we're, we, are, we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We, we demonstrate the power to overcome sin. How? Through Jesus Christ, through the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. Now, as we, as we consider uh, that aspect, this power of his resurrection, the, the wonderful thing about knowing Christ here is that we are looking back to an historical event, but it wasn't simply an historical event, right? The, what changes is the moment that we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we, we go from... Uh, living according to the old man, we become a new creature. And, and now, instead of being enslaved to the bondage of sin, we experience the power of the resurrection in that we can overcome sin. Right? We're no longer slaves to sin. Does that mean we're sinless? No, that's not what that means. I, I uh, always think of this you know, when, when you're, if you're in bondage to a decision, right, if you're stuck and, and, and there's only one choice, there's only one option, right, you are enslaved to that direction. And, and so before I was in Christ, I, I couldn't do things to please God. Before I was a believer, I could not live my life to please Jesus. Why? Because I didn't know him, right? I, I didn't know him. I didn't know what he liked. Didn't know what he disliked. My, my life was not about bringing glory to him because I didn't know the one to whom I should be bringing glory. I, I couldn't do it. It was impossible. I was enslaved to sin. In fact, every decision that I made was not on the basis of the Spirit because I didn't have him dwelling in me, but it was on the basis of my flesh and my earthly desires. 
That, that was what everything that came out of me was based upon. Every decision was based out of the flesh. But at salvation, something changed. Sin was defeated. Death was defeated. Hell was defeated. And, and so when I put my trust in Jesus Christ, now the old man is dead. Now there's this new man. And it doesn't mean that somehow I forgot the ways of the old man because they were still calling back to me. And the flesh didn't disappear. I still have the flesh. But now I also have the spirit. And so before, there was one option, right? I, how could I act? I could act and live out of the flesh. What happens after trusting Christ as your Savior? Well, now I've still got the flesh. And I can still get in the flesh, and I can still live out of the flesh, but now I also have the Spirit. And, and so we get all these commands and, and instructions in Scripture to walk in the Spirit. Why? Well, so that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We're, we are told that, that we have a responsibility in the way that we live our lives to choose to live out of our, our lives out of the Spirit rather than the flesh. What happens? I'm no longer a slave to sin. Right? When I trusted Christ as Savior, I experienced some of that resurrection power, and the bonds of sin were broken. And now before me as a believer, I still have the flesh, and, I, and now I have the Spirit. Now I'm not stuck on just one path, but I have two paths before me. And Scripture calls me to walk in the Spirit so that I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what is walking in the Spirit? Well, reckon also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that mean? I've got the flesh, but I, I need to let that pathway die, right? That should be the goal. If, if we're thinking about it as a path in the woods, this one should be grown up with all the weeds because we don't want to keep walking down that path. And instead, we, we ought to be walking down the pathway of the Spirit. That should be our goal, to be over and over again flowing through the Holy Spirit. That, that should be what, what's driving us. And so when, when we're doing that, what are, what are we doing? Well, we are, we are actually going through that process of, of doing, uh, of, of actually knowing personally the power of his resurrection. We are personally experiencing resurrection power every time we choose to follow and walk in the spirit rather than the flesh. Right, that, that is what we are experiencing there. What does that have to do with joy? Well, let me help you with this. The more you pick the spirit, Right? The more you walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, the greater your joy will be in this life. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. Doesn't mean everything will be perfect. None of those things. You'll still have problems. You'll have trials. You'll have troubles. You'll have temptations. You'll have all of those things, but you'll be walking with God through those things. And because of that, you'll have joy. See, that, that's knowing, knowing Jesus and experiencing the power of the resurrection. But you know, we're also supposed to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. 
Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Goes on, it says, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So let's consider uh, this, this concept here, this, this idea of the fellowship of his sufferings. What, what is this? And, and let's kind of do it like we did before. Let's start with what it isn't. This, this is not union with Jesus in his death. Okay, this is not union with him in his death. So we're, we're not talking about, um, about actually experiencing a physical death here personally. Okay, that's, that's not what being made conformable unto his death means there. And uh, just a, as an example of that, Galatians 2.20, familiar verse, I am crucified with Christ. What is that? Death, right? Nevertheless, I live. Clearly not a physical death, uh, because if we were crucified and experienced physical death, we'd be dead. We wouldn't get the second part, right? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not, not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this being crucified with Christ, this experiencing and being conformable to his death, is not talking about a physical death or somehow being united with him in that death that he partaken, uh, went through on the cross. Um, this, this is not, in terms of the fellowship of sufferings, talking about experiencing the hatred of the world. Uh, that, that's not what's being described here. And uh, Colossians 1.24, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, with his, which is the church. Let's read it again. Colossians 1.24, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Okay, so we're, we're not talking about the experience of the hatred of the world. Paul experienced the hatred of the world. Others have experienced the hatred of the world. They have been persecuted. Some have faced death because of it. So you take... Stephen, he experienced both at the same time, right? He was, he was persecuted, experienced the hatred of the world, so much so that it went even to the point of death, and he physically died. And yet, that is not what is being described here and, and what we're being called. So what is it? Well, it's the exact same thing that we have already considered together. It is experiencing a more and more personal death to self and sin. That's what's being described here. Just like Romans 6, 10 and 11 said, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be indeed uh, dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This, this participation in the sufferings here is, is describing us actually being dead to sin. It, it is the portrait. It's, it's the portrait uh, that we even experience when we, when we talk about baptism by immersion. Right? And, 
oftentimes um, there is a, a um, phrase or something that would be used during baptism. You may have heard a, a pastor uh, say something to, you know, to the effect of um, buried with him in the likeness of a death, born to walk, raised to walk in newness of life, something like that. That's a common phrase that's used in baptism. The, what was that buried with him in the likeness of his death? What, I mean, that's basically the phrase that we're using here. The, the concept is, okay, I am publicly identifying with Jesus Christ. And so this portrait before you today is publicly saying that just as Jesus died, and, and he died, and when he did, he overcame the power of sin and death and hell. He overcame all of that. When, when that took place, I now am publicly identifying with that. And, and so just as, as Jesus died, we're, we're going to provide a portrait for you uh, of that. And, and the individual in the, the baptistry back here behind the castle is going to physically go down, right, below the water. And what, it, it's a portrait. It's an image of death. It, it's buried down below the water. And so that's the portrait, the, the likeness of death. Now, what's it signify? It, it means publicly that, that flesh, that desire to go my own way, to seek after my own, I don't want that anymore. I want that to be dead in my life. I want to be raised to walk in newness of life. I want to live a life that pleases Christ. And so... When we're, we're talking about experiencing the, the fellowship of his sufferings, we, we're talking about, um, about actually going through that process of, of experiencing this in how being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Just as Jesus died and demonstrated power over sin, I want to live my life in such a way that I live it as though I am dead to sin, right? I'm dead to the flesh. I, I wonder this morning if you were to consider uh, that, and th this is how I think of it. Oftentimes I think of this as, as paths. That's the way I, I, it's just the way my mind works in this area. And I, and I think of it as paths. I think of it as, and, and before, when, when I was not a believer, Right? Everything, it all worked off of one path. It was just the flesh, and, and it was well-worn, right? Up and down, up and down, right? It was well-worn, and, and there was no other option. Okay, and, and now I, I think of as a believer, okay, every day, every decision, every choice, it, it's as though before me there, there is a fork in the road. And I can choose to go that same old way I used to go. Fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Live, living as though Jesus never died. Going forth in the midst of sin. Or, or I can make another decision. I, I can participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I can experience the power of his resurrection. I, I can say, I, I'm going to choose the path that was established and created for me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can choose to live by the Spirit. 
Now, that choice is before me in every decision that I make. Every decision that I make. It's Christian camp, and uh, one of the directors always uh, had a, a little phrase that he used to remind people of this. He said, uh, there are only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God and pleasing self. And, and the idea, you know, is, okay, I can, I can please myself, I can live out of the flesh, I can live my own way with my own sinful desires, or I can please God and, and choose the path of the Holy Spirit. And both are there. I'm not a slave to either one now. There's a choice before me. And God has called me to walk in newness of life. I belong to Jesus, right? I, I am in bondage to him, right? And yet I can still, I'm freed, <laughs> in which I can still choose wrong. I can still sin. And so in the midst of, of, of this choice before us, we will either go our own way, live our own way, please our own selves, or we, we walk the way of the Spirit, we personally experience the power of the resurrection, we personally become conformable to him in the likeness of his death, by the way that, that we live our lives. What is that? That's, that's actually living the gospel? I mean, that's living the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Christ in your life? You ever uh, hear this uh, phrase or this suggestion today, you know, uh, where somebody talks about well, did you share the gospel with somebody, and they say, well, I, no, 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 I didn't share it. I, I just prefer to, you know, keep quiet and kind of, you know, live it out or, or whatever. Well, okay, but let, let me, uh, <laughs> can, you, can you do that? Can people see Christ in you in the way that you live your life? I, I think that they can, right? That's, that's what this passage is saying. We ought to be experiencing Christ such that we are demonstrating by our very lives the gospel itself. And I, I'm just going to tell you my personal experience with the people who say that they don't actually share the gospel with people because they're trying to live their lives. I can't see the gospel in a lot of their lives. I mean, there's glimmers, right? Maybe there's something there. I, I'll be honest, right? If, if you were to look at my life and say, Hey, is somebody going to just stare at your life and figure out what Jesus is like? I hope there's some arrows along the way, right? But I sure wouldn't want to be dependent upon just that. What does your life look like? Does your life preach the gospel? If you never opened your mouth, would, would people see your life demonstrating the power of the resurrection and you, that you are conformable to Jesus in his death. And, and what does that mean? That means that you are choosing to live out of the Spirit and, and turning away from the flesh and sin over and over again. And, and demonstrating over and over again that you are overcoming that to the world. Now, if your life looks like that, praise the Lord. Right? If your life looks like, praise the Lord. 
But, but I, I think for a lot of us, we could say that, that path of sin has been trodden down far too many times than it, than it should have. You know, the other aspect of that, which I think has to do with sharing the gospel, is that walking in the Spirit and living a life that truly is demonstrating the power of the resurrection and demonstrating that we are conformable to Jesus in regard to death is a life which is an obedience to Christ and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's part, part of the commission, part of the duty. So what happens when we do this? Well, we experience joy. You know, how do, how do, how do people change? How do people grow as Christians? Well, they, they walk in the Spirit. They reject sin. They reject their own selfish desires. And they, they seek after what God would have them to do. And they do everything that they can to empower themselves in that walk. With, that, that includes reading the word of God, knowing what he says, knowing what he instructs. That includes praying, having a relationship with him, having a personal relationship with him, begging him for help and grace along the way. That, that involves help from other believers coming around and encouraging and pointing us to the things that please Jesus Christ. It, it, it involves all of those things. It, and it even involves the responsibility uh, on our part to share the gospel with others because I can tell you uh, if you want to have a lot of joy tell others about Jesus and when you see some come to Christ it'll bring a lot of joy in your life you see doing these basic things that God's called us to do so essential it, it truly is as the navigators put it a, a, like a balanced wheel as we're doing all of those things together, the, the Christian life goes forth like a wheel rolling down the road. And if we're missing any of those parts, it's, it's, the wheel's flat on one side. It, doesn't, it, it might still turn a little bit, but it's, it's bumbling along down the way. If we're going to, if we're going to um, truly go through this process of doing what God has called us to do and pressing on in this, this life of rejoicing in the Lord, if we truly are going to experience joy in our lives, we need to both be conformable to Jesus, the likeness of his death, to know him more through the fellowship of his sufferings. And we do it by saying no to sin and self and saying yes to the Holy Spirit. It's what God has called us to do as believers. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a joy-filled thing. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the example set before us today. And Father, we, we ask that you would help each and every one of us to take seriously the calling that's before us. Father, help us to take seriously the responsibility that we have uh, to live out a life that, that is continually choosing the path of the Spirit. Father, a life that is continually demonstrating the power of the resurrection and the fellowship with the sufferings. 
Father, we, we want experiential joy. Father, experiencing tr- true joy, as your word teaches us, requires us to follow after what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray if there's any area of sin in our lives today where we're just clinging on to it, that you would help us to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we would confess it and forsake it today. Father, we're, there are areas where we are omitting service to you out of selfish desire or otherwise. I pray, Lord, that you would convict our hearts today, that we'd confess it and forsake it. Father, prepare our hearts that we would live the gospel and as part of that, that we would declare the gospel. Father, that you would use your word and our lives to see souls saved for your glory. Father, we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.